All right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness and for his mercy. We thank him for an opportunity to be uh, in his presence, um, to be surrounded with his word, to have the intent or intention to <clears throat> study and uh, learn about our Lord and Savior um, by way of the means he left to us, that of his word. We thank God for that. That is a huge privilege and honor and blessing that we do um, uh, partake of, and we don't take it lightly, not at all. We do not take it lightly that we are able to come before the Lord and we're able to bask in his presence and we are um, able to learn of him. True riches is not um, um, uh, it's, it's not money, it's not uh, fame and um, or any of the things that this world would probably declare as uh, synonymous with having a fortune. But, but true riches is knowledge of the most high God. To be truly rich in this world, there are two things that you need. You need to number one, have knowledge of the most high God. And then number two, you need him, the most high God, to have knowledge of you. By that, I simply mean to know you. Uh, now, God knows everyone. So I want to let me clarify what I mean by that. I mean that you have a relationship with God and that God acknowledges the way that you live as right, as holy, as righteous, okay? In other words, you've got to know who God is, okay? because plenty of people go through this life thinking they know God, and then some don't even care to know God. And um, But you've got to know who God is according to the scripture, according to what he's made available to us, for us to know him. And then not only do you need to know him, but he needs to know you, which means that he needs to acknowledge you. And if you are living in sin and you are... Um, and you're comfortable with that and you don't and you want to do that, um, whether you realize it or not, um, a life without God, a life um, lived, not lived to the glory or to the pleasing of God. And that really just means that I'm not trying to live in accordance with the scripture. I'm not making it an active um, part of my life to fulfill the God given assignment. Okay, what God has outlined in the scripture, the purpose that God has defined for me. Yes, I define a purpose for myself. You define a purpose for yourself, but there's a purpose that supersedes yours. <clears throat> there's a plan that's greater than your plans, greater than my plan. You know what that is? That's the plan of God. And it's the plan of God that is at the end of the day is going to matter. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to did he know you? And in order for God to, to have knowledge of you, or in order for it to be said that God knows you, you've got to be obedient to what the Lord says do. That starts with the book of Acts chapter two, start reading at verse 36. It starts with the salvation process. You got to repent of your sins. You got to turn from all your wickedness and all your unrighteousness, all the stuff you try to slide by and all the stuff that you think is good. Once you find out that the word tells you it's not, it ain't good. You got to be done with all of that. <clears throat> you got to be done with all of that. And then once you turn your back on sin and you renounce that, you got to confess that you got to, you got to repent before the Lord. You got to acknowledge you're wrong. If you do something wrong to somebody, it's, it's, it's nothing more than a slap in the face if you don't acknowledge what you've done. You got to acknowledge your sin before God. Amen. 
Why? Because God has taken the initiative to shoulder or burden your sin. He took the punishment for your sin on his shoulders, even though he was not guilty. Jesus came to die for our sins. We who were not worthy of him and didn't deserve a second chance. Jesus sacrificed his life so that you would have a second chance and I would have a second chance at life. And if he's gone through all that, come on, the least we can do is acknowledge our sin. I mean, it's it's not as though he's asking you or asking me to now pay the ultimate uh, penalty for my sin, which by the way, you and I do deserve. We do deserve for it, that he would throw the book at us and say, you know what? You are on your own, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that because he created us because he loved us and wanted fellowship with us. And he knew that we got into sin initially due to no fault of our own. We inherited a sinful nature. But whether the nature of sin was inherited or not, and it was inherited, regardless of it, just because we inherited the nature, that didn't force us. That wasn't a forcing upon us to sin. Sin is still a choice. It is. It's still a choice. I might have a fallen and corrupt nature, but it is I who chose on a daily basis, you who chose on a daily basis to submit to the law of sin and death. We chose to commit sin. And so if the Lord would go to the cross and pay for our sins, the least we could do, brothers and sisters, is own up to it. Confess our sins before him. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sin, the washing away or the removal of our sin is what that means. And then he says, we will receive that gift of eternal life. We will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And you need it. I need it. We all need it. So we praise God for the work that was done on Calvary. Um, we don't, we, we did, we, we never act as though we deserved it, but instead we act as though we are grateful because we are grateful. We serve a mighty good God or, and if you don't serve him, you're not, you, you haven't been saved. You got an opportunity to serve a mighty good God. There's nobody like Jesus. I'm just going to tell you that right now. There is nobody like Jesus. He's worthy and he's worth it. I don't, you know, I, to this day, I, sometimes I look back and, uh, um, Sometimes I look back and, and, and over my life and I say, you know what? I don't know what God sees in me. I don't know what he saw in me that made him not leave me by the side of the road because I know what every day I deserve to be on the side of the road. One scripture says that our sins testify against us. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, there is just nothing that I can point to myself whereby I can say, man, you know what? I deserve this second chance. I deserve this new lease on life. I deserve to get up every morning. I don't, but I am so glad that although I don't deserve it, I'm glad and appreciative that I have it. And I hope you are too. 
because every day you get up in spite of yourself, in spite of your story, to God be the glory, honor, and praise because he had mercy on you and he's still having mercy on you. Same as with me. So yeah, we want to do it the right way. We want to do what that word says. And we want to, we, 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 we want to be right because true riches is knowledge of having knowledge of the most high and the most high having knowledge of you. This is very important because there will be those that when it comes, when it's all said and done and the books are open and we stand before the Lord, and we got to give an account. Hear what I'm telling you. There's a day coming where there will be those when, as they are being sentenced for eternity to be separated from God, burn in hell. There will be those who before, during that sentencing, they are going to say, but Lord, we did this and we did that in your name. And the Lord is simply going to reply, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. True riches is not about money and jewels and fame and fortune and prestige. True riches is having knowledge of the most high, knowledge of the way of God and God having knowledge of you. When that those two things are present and accounted for, listen, you are rich. God bless you. You are totally rich. Let's move into our scripture. We are in the book of Psalms chapter 27. Um, we are, as always, we start um, with Psalms, uh, um, the first verse in that. Um, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. As always, may God have a blessing on those that hear and do his word especially those that 
do his word because true hearing is doing the word of God. So we thank God for that. As always, there's nobody like our God. And we're talking about choosing a way, okay? Uh, when we last left off um, on last week, amen, we left off um, in dealing with verse number 11, okay? Verse number 11 says, teach me, amen, it says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Amen. Amen. So teach me thy way. Amen. Okay. And lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Now, this is on the heels of verse number 10, which tells us that when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And we did a deep dive into all of that. And we and we really uh, came away with some good understanding that the Lord blessed us with. We came away with an understanding that um, that as we take that scripture, verse number 10, and we were to apply it to ourselves, um, then we know that the, that that it doesn't reference um, or it is not just speaking specifically as it were speaking specifically to um, to those that um, that specifically are only have a father or a mother but what's really being referenced here is those individuals that could um, any of those individuals could be mom or it could be dad but it could also be the person or persons that kind of served or represented or stood in the gap for, as it were, mom and dad. So the person that was closest to you um, or that that had access to, that you allow, okay, to be able to speak to you um, and to minister to you. In other words, you, 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 you regard their advice, okay, and you regard it highly, okay. You really really have a value on there on on that but we talked about but when these same individuals for whatever reason they leave intentionally so we drew a distinction that it wasn't those who leave um uh accidentally or um involuntarily okay but we're talking about those who are in those places in your life that are closest to you, that are your mentors and your guides or your leads, those that you look to for stability and strength and guidance. When those people, for whatever reason, take leave of their senses and they decide to go a different way or they take the opposite corner against you when you've always thought that they would always be standing with you because it happens. And we talk about how that hurts, that, that there's no way to um, to really look at that be, um, in any other way, because when someone who is closest to you, one scripture tells us, talks about being wounded in the house of a friend, when people who are closest to you decide to take the opposite corner against you, especially when you thought they'd always be um, a supporter of yours or, or leader and a guide to you, or they kind of fall out of favor um, um, with you, it's, it, there's no way to walk away from that without feeling a sense of betrayal. And, and, and betrayal hurts. Betrayal hurts. Okay. It's bad enough when people who, who, you know, who, who have some meaning. Okay. To you and they leave that hurts, especially when that person really brought something to, um, you know, to your life, you might not have been that close to them or not, but when they leave, that alone hurts. But when it is someone that is uh, all the more close to you, someone that is that has a place in your life that is deeper 
than someone else. When those people leave intentionally, that hurts. And it's hard to not feel a sense of betrayal and a sense of abandonment. And we talked about all of those um, different things, okay? Because it, 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 is, it, is, it is hard to, to deal with that. Last thing, however, we left off with as we explored verse number 11, amen? The word of God says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. And as we embarked on this text here, we, we took up the topic of choosing a way, okay? There are, as we said on last week, many ways or pathways in this world, okay? There are many things that a person can undertake. Um, there are many destinations, okay, in life that are available um, for us to choose from. Okay. And any one of these pathways or any one of these destinations um, can um, the journey to that destination or the pursuit of that destination, the pursuit of that destination can form its own or become its own pathway or way of walking. Okay. Um, a way of living, if you will. When we talk about the pathway or choosing a way, we are not just talking about the destination we choose to physically go, what I want to become on the outside. Maybe I want to be an architect or maybe I want to be this or I want to be um, a police officer or maybe I want to be a doctor or, or a nurse or it doesn't matter what it, what it is. Um, there, there is the physical side of the destination, okay? What I want to be and where I want um, um, to be. Those destinations can be um, good or bad, right? Some people don't, don't have a drive to be anything good or honorable or noteworthy, but their, their desires lie in reverse. They lie in the opposite direction. They, these could be people who aspire to be, to be the, 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 the best worst person in the world. In other words, they can, they can want all those professions and those different things that, that are, that are, that would be considered illegal or wrong and unrighteous or unclean. People choose different paths. They are all available and open. Okay. And, and with that, with, and, and, and with, and, and with that, there is that natural, there is that the, the, probably the physical side of it. Okay. The outward destination, the part that everyone can just simply see, oh, he is a this, this person, he is a that, she is a this, she is a that, they became this, they did, you can see that on the outside. But then when, but when we talk about the path, it doesn't just stop with what can be perceived by others on the outside, but it also includes those things that are not visible. It includes the mindset and the will. It includes all of those things as well, okay? Because the pathway that we choose to walk or the way that we choose to, to go consists more of what shows up 
or what is discernible on the outside, but it also includes what is what is intrinsic and what people cannot just simply see. These are things that probably can be seen also, but they're usually seen through the course of conversation and interaction with that person, that being the state of mind, okay? And arguably, a pathway is chosen first in the mind, okay? The, what you want to be and who you want to become, okay? those things are, or where the direction you choose to live in or the life you want to live, you first choose it in the mind or in the heart. It's, it's, a, it's an inward desire, okay? Eventually, you put legs to it, some, some, some external effort to get there, but it starts internally. And there are many ways or many paths in this world. And you don't have to go far to see people be, people in this world walking along the paths that they have chosen. You see initially the outward path, what they probably have become or are pursuing to become on the outward. But after enough interaction with them, you will probably be able to see who they've chosen to be on the inside. You'll be able to see the person that has chosen to be who they want to be the person who sees themselves as the highest authority in their life. You'll be able to see the person who walks in pride and arrogance and haughtiness and all of these different things, just as much as you are able to see the person who's walking in humility and, and mercy and is very meek. You, you're able to see those things. You're able to see after just with the, this takes a little while of observing, maybe talking with the person. You'll be able to see very clearly, and especially if the spirit of discernment is operating you, is operating within you as it should be. You're able to distinguish these things quite easily. Who's walking in what spirit or what mindset? There are many ways or pathways in this world for us to choose, and we talked about that. And just as there are many ways to choose, we are free to choose any of those ways that we want. We, are, we have that freedom. So not only are there multiple paths to choose, ways to live rather, okay? But we have been given the freedom to choose any one of those. But we learned something last week about this choice. We learned that although we are free to choose these pathways, look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse uh, 23. We'll get ready to look at that. Although we are free to choose the paths that we want, we learned and talked about and left off with discussing that not all, path, not all paths, okay, yield good results. You can choose it. You have a right to choose it, but they don't all yield the same results. Is it your prerogative to choose? Yes. Does anybody on this earth have a right to take away that choice? No. So then if I have a right to choose it, if I want to, 
then it must be okay for me to choose it. And eh, not necessarily. Not all paths should be chosen. Do you have a right to choose it? Yes. Can you become potentially whatever it is that you want to be? Yes. But not all destinations, family, are worth it. Some end goals are not to be pursued. Some destinations, although you have a right to go there, are not destinations that one should pick. Many pathways, many choices. And you have the right to choose any one of them. Who you want to be, how you want to live, where you want to go, what you want to become, all that stuff. But although you have the right to choose these things, the right to choose the thing does not justify the choice. Choices are not justified by the right to choose them. There are some choices that you and I can make that it will never matter how free we were to make it, how much of our of a right we had to choose it it will never make that choice the right choice and i'm talking to somebody right now whoever you are wherever you are in the world you got choices before you and you sir you ma'am are entertaining Some choices that are not going to yield what you think is going to yield. It might seem like it's a quick fix. It might seem like it's your only option, but I'm telling you this, wait on God. Wait on God. First Corinthians 10 and 23 says, when tells us something, says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And I told you that that word expedient, really, if you get down to it, means advantageous. All things, Paul was saying, are lawful for me. He was simply saying, I got a right to do whatever it is I want to do. I can do whatever it is I want to do, and so can you. But hold on. Don't stop the message. Don't stop listening right there. That's not a, that, that, that's not a commission that I'm giving to you. Go ahead and do whatever. No. Yes, you can choose whatever it is that you want to do and to do whatever it is that you want to do. But take heed to the rest of what Paul is saying. All things are lawful for me, but not 
but all things are not expedient. They're not advantageous. They don't put me, they don't enhance me. They don't help me. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. I can choose it, but they don't build me up. Then you look at 1 Corinthians. You can go back a chapter, a, a few chapters. Look at chapter 6 and look at verse 12. All things are lawful unto me. So you have the apostle reiterating the same thing. He's, he, in fact, this is where he initiates it. And it's really verse 10 or excuse me, chapter 10, where he uh, reiterates the same thing. But the point is, is that in both instances, in chapter 10 and in, and in chapter six, you have the apostle talking about this concept that all things are lawful unto me. What does that mean? I can do whatever it is I want. I have a right to do what I want to do. You have a right to do what you want to do. But watch what he says. But all things are not expedient. Again, he readdresses, tells you, but it's not, I, I can choose it, but it's not advantageous for me to do so. It's not going to give me an advantage if I choose this. But then he takes it another step forward. He says, all things are lawful for me. Reiterates the same pattern that was laid down in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He followed that same structure for the most part. But then he says in chapter 6, verse 12, this B portion, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And this right here needs to give all of us a moment of pause as we entertain and we contemplate the sheer volume of awesomeness that is available and the freedom that is available in the concept that I can do whatever it is I want to do. Why? Because there are some guardrails that you and I need to know about. Yes, I can choose whatever. Yes, you can do, you can, you're free to go in whatever direction that you want to. You are free to make the choices that you want to make. But you better be careful, ma'am, sir. You better be careful. I had better be careful. Because there are some choices that will bring you and me into bondage. You have a right to choose what you want to choose. I have a right to do what I want to do. But some decisions, if I choose them, if you choose them, the result of that choice is enslavement. And that's what the apostle was trying to talk about. Be careful with what you choose. Be mindful of the direction that you're going in. The devil will always make the choices look succulent and sumptuous and good and appealing. He's never going to tell you what's behind the curtain. Somebody better listen to me. He's going to tell you when you are stressed and you're, and you're tired and you're disgusted. Just take a little of this and just take a little of that. It'll take the edge off. Drink a little of this and drink a little of that. Hang a little with this person and hang a little a bit longer with that person. But what he does not tell you is about the life of enslavement that is going to come after, as a result of one choice. I hope you're hearing. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I hope you're hearing what I'm telling you.
some of you think it's fun and games to lay down and sleep with anybody and everybody, but nobody is telling you about the repercussions of all of this. And repercussions there are. World makes it enticing to live a promiscuous and adulterous lifestyle. One scripture says all bread is sweet to a whoremonger. Seems like it's good and, and you can get away with this, but you don't realize the, the destruction that is going to bring to your family and the ruin it's going to bring to your life. One night of taking the edge off can result in a lifetime of misery. Choices have consequences. All things are lawful for me. I got a right. And that's all that that means is that you have a right. But caution must be taken with these rights. Scripture commands us to choose. Given all of these choices and the reality that we have these choices before us, any number of choices that we can, that we can make. And so it is without wonder that Scripture commands us to choose. But for as much as scripture commands us to choose, scripture gives us cautions, gives cautions for to, to be taken when choosing a path. You're encouraged to choose, but you're encouraged to choose wisely. Not just make a choice for the sake of making a choice. Some of us need to sit still and think some things through before we go with it. I know that there, there are plenty of things that happen and, and sometimes you feel like, man, I just need to make this situation better and if I make this choice, but you got to learn to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Many bad decisions come as a result, not of arrogance, and not always a pride either. Some bad decisions, many bad decisions come out of our hastiness, our willingness or our choice to operate in anxiety, anxious. We want a change so quickly that we don't stop to ponder the consequences, the long-term effects of the thing that we're choosing or are about to choose. And so we move quickly into, we spit into the decision-making phase. And while we have spent very little time in the research phase, checking it out, making sure 
that this was not just simply a choice, but it was the right choice. Scripture commands us to choose. All the while it gives cautions to be taken when choosing a path. See, there's a way that appeals to mankind, that appeals to you and me. And it often seems like it's the right move, it's the best move, it's the only move. Feels like that, seems like that. In fact, to the flesh, it feels like it's just totally right. It just feels right. But the word of God teaches that, listen, you can't go off of what you, you can't just go off of what you feel. You got to go off of what that word says. One scripture teaches very plainly that, that he who trusts his own heart is a fool. Our hearts are not always stable. There are times where our desires and our passions and our lusts get the best of us and we go in the wrong direction. So much so that the message of the world, just trust your heart. What does your heart say? It's erroneous. More people probably than we can count have been led into wickedness, depravity, and all kinds of things, all behind the message of what does your heart say? Trust your heart. Let me tell you something. You better trust God more than you trust your heart. Because your heart will lie to you. Because your heart will just lock in on that thing that you have spent all that time looking at. And all that looking became lusting over whatever else it is. And this don't just apply to, to that of in, the, in, in a sexual sense, nope, this could apply in anything. Whatever you spend most of your time or a lot of your time looking over and, 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 and subjecting your eyes to, eventually your mind is going to start thinking and dwelling on that. And when your mind start dwelling on something, it don't matter what it is, let your mind dwell on it long enough and it won't be long before your heart is going to invest in that thing. And when your heart forms an investment, it forms an attachment. When your heart is attached to something, your heart is not considering whether that thing is right or wrong. Your heart is just simply considering the fact that it wants what it wants. That's where you get that whole other erroneous <laughs> mindset. The heart wants what the heart wants. More lust and perversion and wickedness and unrighteousness has come out of that stuff. Looking at the wrong thing. Then it turned into thinking about the wrong thing. Thinking about the wrong thing eventually becomes desiring the wrong thing. And that desire, that's a product of the heart. And it is not based at all. It is not based on whether that thing is good or bad. It has no consideration. When your heart gets attached to something, look, reason and everything else go flying right out the window. Nope. It doesn't stay 
reason and all that kind of stuff, put wisdom, that go flying right out the window. That's why you want your heart to desire the things that are holy and that are righteous. But the only way for that to happen, you got to do the same thing that you do in order for it to desire wicked stuff. You got to subject yourself to that which is right. The Bible says learn to do good. You got to learn. You got to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. You got to go after God. There's a way that appeals to men. And it seems right. And it even feels right in some cases, depending on what it is. Yet scripture would tell us otherwise. It tells us otherwise, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. Flesh says it's good. Check. Mind is cool with it. Check. Hearts invested with it. Check. God's okay with it, unchecked. God ain't cool with it. God's word is not okay with it. Matter of fact, the word says different than what you and I are wanting to do. But the flesh desires to play by its own set of rules. Satan knows that, so he simply fans the flame and exploits it. You guys really don't realize how very little the devil actually has to do in order to get us off course. The devil don't have to spend forever and a day working your mind over. He got bigger fish to fry. So what will he do? He'll leave you with a thought. He'll leave you with a question. And then he move on down the road going to do his own thing. But you and I are left there pondering and turning over the lies of the enemy that was simply designed to get our focus off of God. Proverbs 14, 12, 16, 25 tell us pretty much the same thing. What do they say? Well, let's start with 14.12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, Proverbs 16.25 says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, I want you to notice that both of these tell us that the end thereof, that the way, first of all, they both tell us that there's a way that seems right. So there are, there are, I told you, there are many ways in this world. But I told you, and the word encourages us to choose, but the word gives us cautions to consider when choosing. Here's the first caution. One of the first cautions we just read in Proverbs 14, 12, and 16 and 25. What is the caution? The caution is, is that of these ways, many 
same right. But look at the context. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Proverbs 14, 12 says, but there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. When he says unto a man, he's talking about your humanity. He's talking about my flesh. He's talking about me as a human being. This external, there are many ways out there. And many of the ways that are out there appeal to the flesh. But there's a caveat. There's a catch here. Though these ways appeal to the flesh, they will be desirable to you. They will be desirable to me. They're going to seem like they feel good or taste good or are good or whatever else. It's going to be something about it that is attractive. To you and I. Please, please, please elevate your thinking. Do not get pigeonholed thinking that this just has something to do with those things that are in a sexual context. No. This is beyond just that. It can be whatever it is. Related to intimacy or non-related to intimacy. There are things that are out there that seem like a good idea. Seem like the way to go. But the writer is telling us, Solomon here is telling us, by God's permission, that they seem right unto a man. They seem right unto a man. But the reality is these ways, although they appeal to the man, to my humanity, they are in fact these different ways, this multitude of ways of options for me to choose from, for you to choose from, they are in fact the ways of death. They seem right, but hidden within them is the truth that they are not right. They are the ways of death. They are options that result in eternal separation. Now, some of them can result in physical separation. In other words, you can make some real, real, real ridiculous decisions that can cost you your life here on this side. And there's a lot of them that can do that. But whether or not they cost your physical life on this side, it doesn't matter. Because the ways of death will always, all of them cost you your spiritual life. 
Some, some affect the natural life, some don't. But all of the ways of death, the ways of death, they all impact your spiritual life. And they all result in eternal separation from God. And you don't want that. You don't want that. The book of Ecclesiasticus, chapter 37, 27 and 28 says it like this. My son, prove thy soul in thy life and see what is evil for it. That means pay attention, take heed, and give not that unto it. So in other words, he says, he says, have, have value your soul. Value your soul. And pay attention to what's out there that's going to hurt your soul. And those things that you know going to hurt your soul, don't give it to your soul. Don't take it on. That's what he's saying here. My son, prove thy soul in thy life and see what is evil for it and give not that unto it. For all things are not profitable for all men. Neither hath every soul pleasure in everything. Did you, I hope you heard that. Because it goes right back to what we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in chapter 6. All things are lawful for me. Remember that? But not all things are expedient. Ecclesiasticus or the book of Sarah picks up the same narrative. Or rather, I should say, <laughs> Corinthians picks up the same narrative. That's here in Ecclesiasticus. All things are not profitable. Unto all men. It's not good for you. Some stuff seem okay, but it's not. It's not okay. See, there comes a time when you must choose. I told you, the scripture, God encourages us to choose, but he gives us cautions. He doesn't make the choice for you. You have to choose it, but they are available to you. But what he does do is that he arms you to the teeth with absolutely everything that you and I are going to need in order to make a good choice. Some of you are in seemingly dire straits. You're dealing with the adverse effects of a bad choice. And I know that for some of you, you probably at the moment thought it was a good choice. You never, you, but, and had no idea that that choice, that moment, a moment's choice was going to turn into a lifetime's misery or seemingly a lifetime's misery. But I want to tell you that God is greater than your choice. And he can override. And I want to tell you that just as it was a choice that took you into the negative direction. I want to tell you today that you are one choice away from going in the right direction. Yeah, I know things are, are topsy-turvy and, and, and swirly-twisty, all kinds of different things. But I want to tell you that God is greater than your choice. And, and though you made a, a, a bad, a terrible choice, I know I've made mine. 
And I still make them. But I am deciding to not live in a bad choice. Instead, I'm choosing to recognize the caliber of choice that I made. Oh, it's not good. That was terrible. I got to own it. And I'm deciding to go to God and ask for forgiveness. Because I don't want to take a bad choice and turn it into a lifetime. I choose to repent. You can choose to repent. Turn away. Yes, you made some terrible choices. But just because you did doesn't mean you are doomed to continue. Listen, it was a choice. So make a new one. Make a better choice. But this time rely on the power of God. Some of your choices that you were made were because you got hasty and things started to look like it wasn't going to work. And so you made a move real quick when you should have waited on God. Do you know that God can not only help you turn that decision around, make a new choice, but he can also help you learn to be patient, how to wait on him so that you don't go flying off the handle. Like I know I've done at times and sometimes still do. Choosing to instead wait on God. Many of the things that I know now or that I may be able to do, it's not because I have the strength or I am something that someone is not. No. It's all because I've been forgiven. Because I stopped and said, God, I messed up. And I'm not trying to hide it anymore. I'm not going to lie about it. I told the lies before and I tried to pretend like it wasn't real. But the bottom line is, is that I made a bad choice. And there is no one to blame but me. I can't even blame it on the devil. Because as much as I would love to, the devil didn't make me choose what I chose. I did that myself. And you do the same thing. But the same God who's rich in mercy and who's slow in anger and takes pity on us to the point that he works on our behalf to help rescue us is the same God that will do it for you. Let me help somebody make their first good choice. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Stop trying to work this thing called life out on your own. It is unnecessary. And it has already been worked out on your behalf in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop wasting time. You don't need to do it. 
He has already done it. Just accept what he's done. Let me help somebody else. No matter how much the enemy works to try to convince you that you are alone and that you are totally abandoned, the truth is, is you are not. Jesus told us he would never leave us nor forsake us. So here's the first, so here's a good decision. Stop telling yourself that you are alone while God is plainly standing right there. You cannot see him because you are choosing not to look. But my goodness, I want to set the record straight. He's still putting food on your table, clothes on your back, breath in your lungs, healing your body when you need it, providing for you, keeping your family when you can't keep yourself, watching over you when you're driving in your car. It is God Almighty. Let me help somebody else today. Stop giving people power over you. You were bought with a price by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You belong to him and nobody else. So stop choosing voluntary, voluntary enslavement. He whom, the, listen, the Lord bought you with a price and then he set you free. He didn't make you a slave. He set you free. And he who the son has set free, the Bible says, he's free indeed. Be free in Jesus. But being free in Jesus is not freedom to be reckless in Jesus, Jesus and do whatever it is that you want to do. Let me help somebody else. Stop choosing the path of the lame man. Who cannot see his way to standing up. And start choosing the path. Of the lame man who knows that he does not have the ability of his own, but he sees by hope. And through faith that it can be different, that I can rise, take up my bed, and walk. Make some different choices. Make some different choices. Make some different choices.
it can be hard to make choices different than what you've been doing because you, you're used to doing it. And I know. I know what it's like to just be stuck and you feel like you can't get up. And you can be down so long, you don't even know if you want to get up. But you do want to get up. And it's time to start saying it. I want to get up. You got to start saying it till you believe it. I want to get up. You got to start saying, Jesus, I want you. Forgive me. Wash me. Take me. Turn my life around. You got to come to the end of yourself. You got to say, God, I don't got no, nothing else. No more, no more in the tank, God, I'm done. But I heard that you can take what's broken and you can put it back together again and that you can make it better than ever, God. And I'm asking you, God, not for my, for my own arrogance or what I want, but God, just make me better than what I used to be. And I'm telling you, you just got to listen. You, you got to be real. You just got to get to the end of yourself. Stop believing your own press. Nobody's reading your news stories. You stop reading your news story. Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Let him write a new story, a new chapter. Some books is just a bad read. It just is. And when you get to the point and, and you discover that it's a bad read, it's time to put the book down. Go pick up something else. Make a new choice. Make a new choice. Next week, we'll talk about the nature of the choices that God has set before us because they are really worth exploring. And I think that that'll be the end of that particular series. And we'll move into um, to the final stages, uh, final verses um, within Psalms 27. But my goodness, this has been a good, good, good study. I hope that you're being blessed by it. God bless you. And until next week, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here. Wow.